Hi, this is Father Ian Van Heusen, the Art of Living Well podcast, where I just take an opportunity in this audio format to go a little bit deeper into topics that I deal with with my other digital content, with my videos and blog posts. But this kind of audio format just gives me an opportunity to kind of dive a little bit deeper, have longer conversations, and to kind of really chew on some ideas that I work with on a regular basis. So with me today, I've got my man on the streets, uh, Pete Hines. He's here with us. He's from the Two or Three podcast. He, we'd like to have him on time to time just to get the pulse on the average man. So Pete, it's great to have you on. Thanks, Father. Good to be here again and good to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate it. So what I want to start off this podcast with is a little bit of an association. And it's good because you, you don't really know what we're going to talk about. So you can kind of just kind of come at it with your, your gut instincts. Is okay. Starting off, what do you think about when you hear the word Bible? What do you think about when you hear Bible? I um, I get a warm feeling when I hear the word Bible. <laughs> I I love the Bible, you know, and uh, the more that I the, during the periods where I'm in the Bible more, I'm more centered and more peaceful, and I feel closer to Christ and God. And and the times when I'm not, um, I feel less so. So I, I love the word Bible. Yeah, great, great. You know, it's funny. I wasn't sure exactly which way you're going to go with that. So for you, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a positive thing. So do you, do you read the Bible regularly or? I read the daily readings mm -hmm. uh, just about every day. And I will say that, that it's different from when I was a Protestant and because uh, we didn't have the daily readings as, a, as an evangelical Protestant. So I would typically um, would go read through a book of the Bible, not per sitting, but, you know, every I'd read like a chapter of day and I'd go through the book of John or the, or I'd go through Ephesians or, and there's, and there were, you know, a lot of uh, evangelical pastors will also, they'll teach on a book of the Bible for like eight weeks. And you really learn a lot about the, the, the that book. And, and anyway, so I, I, I don't do that type of reading as much as I used to when I was a president. And I miss that. I will. It's different. It definitely is different. You really kind of really get more into the whole scene in the context of a book the Bible. Yeah. So. No, yeah. That, that's a great point. And I want to come back to that a little bit, like different ways of reading the Bible, different ways of kind of opening the word. But one thing I wanted to kind of discuss, first of all, is it, have you encountered with a lot of people? I mean, I know I have in spiritual direction. I'd be curious your take on it first, and then I'll kind of add my own thoughts. Have you found people who maybe struggle to understand the Bible or str struggle just knowing where to begin or you know, what's the best way to read the Bible? Have you ever encountered that like in your family member or family friends or oh. whether in your evangelical past or now in the Catholic world? I'd be curious. For, for sure. For sure. And I think maybe this is what you're getting at is that I'm, for a lot of people, the Bible is intimidating. And, you know, if unless you get together with other Christians that say, let's read this, and then you start reading a book and then they help you put it in context. And um, it can be very intimidating. And, you know, some people will say, you know what, I'm, I've, I've been Christian for my whole life and I've never even read the Bible. I'm going to start reading the Bible and I'm going to, I'll just, I guess I'll just start from the beginning. And they read through Genesis, which is very interesting. And then they start getting into other weird Catholic books, like, or not Catholic, but, you know, Old Testament books like Leviticus and Kings and Deuteronomy. And then they usually just kind of peter out. Um, so, so, yeah, I could see how for a lot of people they, they have that experience and it can kind of be intimidating starting to read the Bible. Absolutely. I mean, there, 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 there's a funny joke that um, a professor uh, at my seminary had. He said, 
many many attempts to read the Bible um, straight through have washed up on the shores of Leviticus. Um, yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, because you get you get Genesis. Genesis is a hard read. Um, it can definitely um, cause you to think a little bit, but you know, at least it's a narrative. And then you get into start getting into you know the further into the Torah, and once you hit Leviticus, I mean, it's it's. I would say it's similar to reading in our modern context or in the contemporary church. It'd be similar to reading like um, the, the Code of Canon Law. I mean, yeah, the only people who study it um, appreciate it, but most most people, if they picked up the Code of Canon Law, they they find it incredibly boring. Um, but that that is a fascinating thing, and I, I want to circle around back to some of these things. You're kind of hitting on a bunch of different things that I do want to definitely unpack a little bit. Um, but the the first thing you mentioned was that that the Bible can be intimidating. I think that's a that's an incredibly like powerful lesson because right now in the Catholic Church and in the you know in the Universal Church, there's definitely an emphasis on meditating on the Scriptures and getting to know the Scriptures. Um, even now, I talk about it a lot in confession with people reading the Bible. But I, I've often had a lot of people that they just struggle to understand the Bible. I was just it was spiritual direction with a guy. He wouldn't mind me mentioning this. But he he admitted that he struggled a little bit to understand the Gospels even. Um, and he wasn't like somebody who wasn't intelligent. Um, you know, sometimes the Bible, like it, it, it's an older work. It may not be as easily accessible. So I think that's a, a first thing I think we'd want to address with any listener is if you're struggling to read the Bible and you're struggling to understand yeah, you know, we we completely understand that. When you when when did you first start reading the Bible? Did you struggle to understand it early on, or what was your experience with that first time? Uh, so that was when I first became a, a believing Christian. Um, you know, I was born a Catholic and never really believed. Went to church on Sundays and and whatnot, but I never really believed. And then so I just ditched it. And then when I was twenty seven, I met my wife, who was an evangelical Protestant, and then she brought me to our church and then I got in a Bible study and that was where I really started learning about the Bible. And, um, and also the, what was huge was somebody actually, it was a guy, it was a guy who was like a few years younger than me and he bought me a Bible and he wrote on the inside of it and he bought me a study Bible. And, um, it, it's funny because now this guy also, he's Catholic now this day, not <laughs> having anything to do with me. I heard about it years after I had become uh, Catholic. But anyway, that was huge for me in learning about the Bible was being in a Bible study so I could be with other Christians and we're learning about it together. And also having a study Bible that would have notes. Um, and they weren't just like kind of footnotes, but they were much more um, uh, informative than just simple quick little footnotes. Um, and they would explain things like a covenant or what does, what is a covenant? Oh, okay. And, or, you know, they'll have this other point. Oh, this goes back to where Jesus said this over in Matthew. Oh, okay. I see. And so that was really big for me to, to better understand the Bible. And it is interesting. You mentioned that you started by studying the Bible. You know, one of the, one of the pieces of content I'm going to be coming out with, and I'm not sure what will be coming out first, as I talk about, I said, why I no longer teach people to practice Lexio Divina. Now, of course, that's a bit of a clickbait title, so it wasn't yeah. quite that dramatic. But what I have found right now, sometimes with the Catholic Church, is um, a, a, maybe a, a, just a, a, a trend that's going on that maybe we need to back up and kind of reevaluate a little bit, is we are encouraging, it's a good thing, we're encouraging people to meditate on the Scriptures and to pray with the Scriptures. But the, the challenge is, 
is that people haven't first gotten to know the scriptures. They haven't studied the scriptures. And if you actually look at the four steps of Lexia Divina, they really, they're not so much fixed steps, but they're kind of stages of development. So I'd be curious, even in your own spiritual life, I, I had a guy who I did a testimonial video with, not a testimonial video, but a testimonial article way back in the day, early days of Art of Living Well, when it was back when it was Christian meditation, I was still like a deacon. And um, this gentleman talked about when he was evangelical Catholic or evangelical Christian, he, he started by just studying and reading the Bible. And then as he was doing that more, he started to ponder it, to th meditate on it. Then that led him to prayer. And then finally, it led into contemplation or resting. But the first step I would say is, I think instead of encouraging people to say, well, why don't we just go on our own and try to do a method of Lexia Divina? Well, first, let's, let's just encourage people to be studying the Bible. Like everybody needs to, to be studying the Bible. And then naturally, I would assume with the life of grace, when you're going to confession regularly, you're praying daily, that as you're studying the Bible, then you just, it leads you naturally into prayer. Did you find that was the case when you first started studying the Bible or when, or, or whatever part of your journey, did you find that the studying of the Bible just kind of naturally led you to prayer, to conversation with God, to thinking about it, to pondering it? Yeah, I guess. I don't know what it would have looked like for me if I had just said, okay, I'm going to read this on my own. I don't think I would have gotten anywhere. Um, you know, I don't think I could even put into words how huge it was. I don't even think I can even fully appreciate it, how huge it was um, for me to just be with other Christians and them just modeling for me mm -hmm. what it means to read the Bible. And you just read the Bible together. And then, you know, what can the questions they would have? And you'd hear other, you know, I would just see an, another guy in this. I was in, I was lucky enough to get in the Bible study with other guys, like 10 other guys in their twenties. And it was awesome. But I would just hear, and some guys were married at that point and some guys were single. And, um, I remember just, you know, hearing some guys say, you know, when I woke up for my, uh, morning prayer this morning and I'd think, Oh, okay. I got to get up and start reading the gospel of John. I'm like that guy, that's a good idea. I should do that. And then another guy says, you know, when I read this and Jesus says this, it really makes me feel like, or, you know, when you talk, is it Ephesians where, is it Paul in Ephesians where he starts, to, where he talks about how men need to love their wives like Christ loved the church? Is it Ephesians? Something like that. I'm not familiar yeah. with that passage. I mean, I know the passage, yeah. but. Yeah, yeah, no, we're, that's because we're not Protestants. If we were Protestants, <laughs> we'd be able to say exactly where it was. But we're Catholic. We just know, yeah, isn't that the story somewhere in the Bible? Yeah, it's in there somewhere. But, um, but anyway, you know, and then I would hear a guy say, oh, well, that really, you know, when I read that this morning, I really felt convicted that I really need to do a better job on really loving my wife and putting her needs above mine. So just, and then I would learn, oh, that's how you read the Bible. It's just, you read it and you think about it, you pray about it, and then you try to think of the things that the Lord's bringing to mind. Um, and then you talk to your other Christians, and the, which is, you know, the church. You talk to the church about it. And um, so I think that's, it was just models for me. And you know, sometimes we can make things more complicated than they need to be. And, you know, even if you just read the Bible every day, if you don't understand it at first, just keep doing it and you're going to get it. And then you'll be more interested and then you'll ask other Christians. And um, but study, hard study is also good, too. But um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I, I'm 
I forgot what your original question was, but no, that was, no, that was perfect. And one of the things I would dovetail with, so you're giving me some ideas that I wasn't even thinking about discussing, but so one of the key principles that you see with spiritual direction and with um, the desert fathers is the idea in Christianity. And you would see it now in some modern sources where they talk about the importance of a spiritual director or a spiritual guide. Um, now what we're finding though is like, so for example, there's one of me and there's about, you know, three to 5,000 parishioners and, and, you know, not even all your parishioners are going to be super interested in, in kind of going deeper. But, you know, even if you say have like two to 300 parishioners who are super enthused and want to go deeper, you're just not going to be able to mentor or direct all 300 of those, uh, one-on-one. Um, but, and, and not everybody's going to seek it also, but that's a whole nother subject. But even on a practical, like, what do we recommend to people? But there would be a sense. So what was the, the, the intent of this idea of having the spiritual director, the spiritual guide? And I think it's what you're getting at with your Bible study, which is we don't necessarily just learn in isolation, um, especially with the spiritual life. It's modeled for us. It's, it's grounded in relationships. And I think, you know, this is something I think we need to promote across the board is maybe the Bible study is really the avenue to fulfill that need for that mentorship, that discipleship. And a lot of groups have talked about this, but it's precisely that's how someone first encounters the scriptures in a meaningful way, learns to go deeper. And this will eventually lead them into solitude to those daily habits of spending that 15, 20 minutes in the morning praying with scriptures. But the first step is not necessarily just to beat people over the head with reading the Bible, but is to get them connected with that small group, that discipleship group. So yeah, I'd be curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. And that's, you know, that's kind of, that's how I really got into my faith. And, you know, in regards to how now you were just saying about how we need the church and, and, you know, I mean that in the big, with a big C, the Catholic church, but I'm really what I'm talking about at first is even, is just the, the church with the little C. Um, and an example of that is I remember at, when I was a Protestant, uh, one of the pastors told me this story about how he went to, um, he and some other folks from the church went to this big conference in, in uh, Africa somewhere. And they met a pastor there, another pastor, an African pastor, who said, oh, yes, you know, a missionary came and like, I don't know, 20 years ago and then, you know, taught a, a, one generation about the Bible. And then, I don't know, he left and we didn't get any more missionaries, something like this. It's, this is not the correct story, but it's something like that. And he said, but we're doing great and we're finding, you know, our churches are growing and and we're really getting tremendous fruit from the Levitical sacrifices. And the pastor said, you know, it was like you heard that skip on the record sound. And it was like, um, you know, he's like, wait, 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 hold on here. What do you mean? And he said, yeah, you know, we're sacrificing goats and sheep just like it says to in the Bible in Leviticus and in the Old Testament. And he's like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. So then they had to have a, like a little Bible college for these, uh, this group of pastors here. Um, so all, all that to, to help them understand, look, we don't need to do that anymore. Um, you know, you're, you're not called to do that anymore. So um, anyway, that just kind of speaks to how we need the church to learn the Bible. We can't just take the Bible, you know, it doesn't just drop from the sky and say, okay, you just make it make sense of it what you will. Um, so anyway, yeah, per, that made me think of that. some great insights. So there'd be the sense that we would need some kind of mentorship. So maybe in a small group, but then also yeah. the, the authority of the church, which kind of 
guides. So, I mean, I think that would be something else for most listeners to be aware of, that there, there's a certain safeguard in reading the scriptures within the church. Absolutely. So if you if you read something and it causes you to think, well, the church got this wrong or something like that, um, to have the humility to recognize, well, first of all, the church has been reading the Bible for 2,000 years. Uh, the saints have been pouring over it. You know, every objection under the sun has been addressed at some point um, and probably multiple times. But, th- but that would be, I would say, you know, th- there's, um, there's certain parameters. So if we look at like a skill, so let's consider reading the Bible, praying the Bible as a learned skill. Um, let's say it's similar to throwing a baseball pitch or kicking a soccer ball or playing a sport, for example. I always like sports, but I think you'd say the same for a musical instrument. There's certain rules that govern it, and it may not be hard and fast rules, but there's a certain structure that governs it. So within the Catholic Church, it's obedience to, to the doctrines, um, trying to learn about the faith. Um, so I do recommend, so as much as we recommend um, reading the Bible, but it does also help if you read the catechism as well. So maybe we could even talk about meditating and studying your Bible, but also meditating and studying on your, your catechism as well. That's why I think maybe, you know, as I've, I've mentioned before, maybe we've gotten a little bit off track with the emphasis on Lexio Divina um, because we've lost the sense that first, the big thing we need is a renewal of people studying the Bible, like really learning about it, that, that we've kind of jumped the gun. So it would be kind of like if we were taking a sports analogy, um, it'd be kind of like if you had a bunch of, um, you know, what, sixth graders. I'm trying to think, when, you, when do you start playing baseball? Like fourth, fifth, sixth grade? I mean, you probably Even play. earlier, like first grade. Like first first grade. grade. Yeah, so let's say you have like first, second, third, fourth grader, and you say, you know what? Um, the best way, the be- one of the hardest pitches to hit is a curveball. So I'm going to teach you all curveballs. And you and I both know, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about baseball, but I'm pretty sure if you teach a little kid a curveball, it like throws off their mechanics, doesn't it? Or do you familiar with baseball? I'm pretty sure it does. Like you're not supposed yeah. to, you're not supposed to teach little kids um, curveballs. You just want them to throw a, you know, a fastball right up the, the center. That's what you're kind of working on them with. Um, and I don't want to say that the people are, are can't be mature disciples, um, but when it comes to interpreting and understanding the scriptures, sometimes when we we teach them about lexia divina or we teach about these very lofty monastic practices, we, we forget the fact that like, well, they can't really throw a curveball yet. <laughs> like, right. yeah, we, we gotta, we gotta start with foundations and the foundation would be knowing your catechism, knowing your Bible. Um, and, and it sounds to the, I, I think there's also, it's an intuition I've had, um, that has come, become stronger as I've gotten older is that there's something distinct about, the married vocation versus the religious priesthood vocation. And of course, we know that over and over again, but just even how it grows and matures. Um, because one of the things that struck me when I was first ordained was that um, one of the things that occurred very early in my priesthood that I was very grateful for is I felt a very, very strong connection with the new fathers in, in, my, um, in my parish. Just, you know, they're, they, they were a little bit tired, a little bit stressed. You know, you know, my first couple of years of ordination, there was times when I was so tired that like you couldn't go to sleep. That was, I found a fascinating experience to be so tired that you can't go to sleep. I was like, wow, well, what is that about? But, um, but what I found was, was that in that early priesthood and first connecting with people and first doing all of that, 
like I became a lot less selfish and it started to get me thinking that like there are some things built into the married vocation that help you to develop as a person and as a Christian disciple. And it, it, it may just look different. Like for example, that birth of an early, that, that birth of a first child or where you're, you're not getting as much sleep. It's, it's similar to when the monastics would do vigils and they would stay awake through the night. So when I, when I look at the scriptures as like, you know, going back to what I was talking about, I think one of the dangers right now is with our spiritual writing is we're just kind of copying and pasting from what the monastics say and from what, um, what's good for religious and good for priests. So, you know, in, in seminary, you're, you're constantly studying theology and the scripture. So you don't necessarily need to have like a Bible study with your brother seminarians, but what you need is you need that spontaneous time with scripture and that spontaneous time with the Lord. I'm um, just to kind of process everything. But what I've, I've found with, with, with lay people, they're so much immersed in the world that sometimes what they really need is they need a Bible study, like more than, than the spontaneous time. Um, now they need the spontaneous time as well. We all need that, but it just, it looks different. Um, I think that's, I, I think we're right now in a bit of a period where there's an explosion in interest in how to form the laity and to form non-religious, but we don't necessarily have a good body of literature of, well, what is, you know, what does a good prayer life look like for a married man or for a married woman? Um, we have little anecdotal things and we have some texts, but nothing that kind of addresses the current direction of the church. So I'd be curious your thoughts. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are some things that are, are good guides, um, similar to like, say, you know, the Ascent of Mount Carmel of St. John of the Cross, but for lay people, I, I don't get a sense there is. I'd be curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if, yeah, I can't think of one any either. And I don't know if it's just because personality type that I probably wouldn't stick to something like that. So maybe I have been looking for it, but you know, I, I did look for actually for quite a while when I was first came into the Catholic church of some kind of a program to plug into. And I really couldn't find one that I felt comfortable with. Um, and I, I, you know, spoke to another, um, guy who had come from evangelicalism and he had been looking he said you know i guess he said i'm just gonna i stopped look, after years he said i just stopped looking i guess guess really what god wants us to do is just be catholic you know just do go go to mass on sunday or dailies too and you know do devotions pray the rosary pray to god of course and, and re, try to read the bible and uh and that's the pro that is the program that is the program that god has created for us as catholics you know and I was like, yeah, I guess I was looking for something more, you know, exotic or, um, you know, interesting or maybe something, you know, going to confession regularly is not fun. Um, a lot of times the mass is not interesting. Um, it can be boring at times. Um, but uh, but it's all good. It's all beautiful. And it's, um, you know, the goodness is there, whether I can see it if, or not, is that's, you know, a, a me issue, not a it's not an issue with being Catholic, you know. Absolutely. And I, I think there is some wisdom in that, like the, the structures of the church, like if you're going to confession regularly, going to mass, praying your devotions, um, you know, entering into the liturgical year, things like that. But what, what I, where I was kind of, you know, coming back to what I was talking about a little bit before is when you're like, for example, when I did research on prayer and meditation, there was extended body of literature and not just con by contemporary writers and, and not just by writers in general, but by saints. 
So, you know, you and I both know that when a, when somebody's made a saint, the church is kind of saying to us, like, look at their work, look at what the, how they lived, what they taught. And we're holding this up as an authentic interpretation of the gospel and who Jesus is and how to live a saintly life. Um, there's just not an extended body of literature. And, it, you know, when I say extended body of literature, it's not just one author or a few ideas. It really needs to be a, a, a continued reflection over the course of time. And maybe that's going to be the, the course of history for the next 100 years is what does a saintly prayer life look like for lay people, for a family? I think there's a lot of good tools out there, um, but we just need to have that sustained reflection. I think we we did in the last century saw a few saints that were – that started to get the ball rolling with this idea of the universal call to holiness. So, you know, I would say, and I would say this confidently, I do believe all people are called to what's called contemplation or the gift of infused contemplation. What does that look like for a lay person is anybody's guess. There, we, we don't know. We have extended literature of what it looks like for monastics. Um, it's not even, even clear what it looks like for diocesan priests sometimes. Because sometimes diocesan and priests, we live in an interesting world where we're kind of we're kind of in the world with the laity, but we're also kind of not. Um, so it's it's an interesting um, combination. It's a a kind of a middle vocation between, say, the purely contemplative, the purely religious. Um, but I think that's and that's what we'll we'll continue to have this conversation. Is so with Bible studies, you know. When you read the monastic writers and they talk about Lexio Divina and they talk about meditating with scriptures, they're assuming that you've already gone through a process of formation, that you've right. studied theology, you've studied philosophy, you've – you. I mean they're almost assuming what we'd call the, the equivalent of an undergrad degree and a little bit of a master's degree in philosophy and theology. Um, I, I don't think we can make obviously that assumption when it comes to your average person in the pew. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, is, is any of this resonating with you? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on this? Is it making sense? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I was thinking how <clears throat> it must be difficult for you as a priest with your training, and particularly you, particularly because you really love the intellectual life and you love the intellectual learning of the spiritual life to then be able to talk to your average parishioner who is, you know, not anywhere nearly that, that learned um, academically and intellectually about the faith and just be able to just give them the core nuggets of what they need at that moment. You know, it makes, it makes me think of like a golfer, like a Tiger Woods or somebody who works on the mechanics and works on the mechanics and works on the mechanics, works on the mechanics, and then, or maybe not golf so much, but like whatever sport. And then when it's time for the game, you just go out and play. You don't worry about the mechanics. You just relax and just go with it. But um, yeah, I think people just need that essential nugget. And a lot, and a lot of it too is, I think, just as a lay person, you know, in holiness and it's just you're just living day by day doing your best, you know, just like just like a priest. And uh, God just kind of teaches you things in spite of ourselves, you know, um, and teaches us things about. I do think you know, teaches us things about the Bible, like when we're reading the Bible, the Lord just will bring things to mind that, you know, that you'd never thought about. And it might be about the Bible or it might be about whatever situation in life that I know when I'm just rushing, rushing, rushing. 
and I'll have a thing I'm worried about and I'll say a quick prayer. But then it'll take time and I'll read a little bit of the Bible. Maybe I'll read some Psalms that might relate to it. And I take my time and I really pray. And then the Lord will bring things to mind that never came to mind until and only when I come in prayer. So I guess, I guess my point is even without the Lord, just for lay people, we don't need one doesn't necessarily need all the learning about what these things are. And the Lord just kind of grows us in holiness anyway, because it's his job anyway to do that. I mean, we got to participate, but it's really his work. So I think it's good to learn these things too. Like I, you know, I've read um, the deepest I got in theology was uh, theology and sanity by um, Sheed. Do you know this book? Oh, absolutely. That's a, yeah, that's that was, a great book. That was good for me. I read that like two or three times. I don't want to get any deeper into theology than that. Um, but that was good. So I, I'm not saying that it's not good. We should learn about our faith, but also, you know, there are a lot of people who are way more holy than me and know way less about the faith than me. And they just pray They're you know, they just pray and they have a devotional life and they just love people around them to death. So, you know, don't ask me. I don't know. I can't make, I can't, I can't make sense of the whole thing. Well, that that is a fascinating dynamic, which is, the Catholic religion can appeal to, I mean, we have one parishioner who is just, she's, she's a breath of fresh air, wonderful woman, but she's mentally handicapped. And, you know, the faith has a lot that speaks to her. Um, She's very devoted. Mm -hmm. She goes to daily mass. She's in the church praying many, many days of the week. And, um, you know, you can have folks who are the simplest of people to the most loftiest scholars. And there's room for all of that in the Catholic Church, I think that the real challenge I'm coming across as a priest is that there's a middle ground, which is there's people that are in the world that are, are professional or educated, but they may not, like their degree may not have been in theology. It may have been like, I'm thinking of a few people right off the top of my head, that the, it may have been like business or it may have been, you know, marketing or whatever it might be. So they're not, it's not that they're uneducated people, which I think in the past, when you when you see some of the devotional life of the church, and you see some of the discussions, there was a time when if you were educated, you were generally educated in things of the church, especially right. the things of like the Middle Ages and stuff like that. Um, there, there was much more of an, a, a, an education. But right now in our contemporary society, we have many people who have college degrees, but their understanding of religion may not match their, their level of secular learning or that type of thing. Now, I will say this as a, as a teacher of the faith, I came to a realization year one that it was really simple in my mind. And this is why I love having you on the podcast and continue to having these conversations. Yes, I, I have, like with my background, I have a very technical knowledge um, of a lot of things that relate to prayer, meditation, our growth in our relationship with the Lord, and, and just theology in general. I'm not that I'm overall, I'm not as strong as some guys in theology. But what I have found is now it's like I'm a beginner and learning how to communicate that to other people. <laughs> mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and that, that has become my life work now is, well, I, I want people to pray like the saints. Um, I'm, but there's no, there's no roadmap of, well, what does that look like? How do you, and honestly, there's, there's as much as there's a continued reflection on many things. Um, there is also a, a lot of areas where there needs to be more work. You know, my, my work in the confessional is dear to my heart and I've developed my own thinking and my own system. Maybe I'll even talk about that more in a future podcast. But, but the thing is, is I kind of had to learn that from experience and I'm still learning on that. Um, 
but it, it, it is fascinating. I, I, I think now what I'm applying myself to day in and day out is how do I help people to pray like saints? How do I help people to overcome mortal sin, venial sin? I think we've fleshed out a lot of things, especially because we're kind of drawing to an end with uh, this recording of the podcast, is, you know, th that first step to, with anybody listening is, um, you know, a Bible study. I, I think that's one of the things I want people to take away with is before you can meditate on the scriptures, you have to know the scriptures. So now if you're at the point where you, you're, you're comfortable reading the Gospels, by all means, take them into your holy hour. And if you don't have an adoration chapel, you know, petition your your priest to have adoration. I wish we had it more available all over the world. I've, I've seen that adoration chapels accelerate prayer lives very easily. There's something about it. You know, if you ask a guy to, to be in the church at 3 a.m. or to do anything at 3 a.m., you know, they, they look at you like you have two heads. But if you start an adoration chapel, suddenly you see men there at 3 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, yeah. it's because it's of who's there, right? Exactly. But it's waiting for them. So. It is fascinating, but you, you set that obligation, but it's just, it's an interesting dynamic. I'll give you a last thought. So we were talking a bit about praying with scriptures. Is there any closing thoughts you have before we kind of close? Just crack open the Bible. Yeah. Just pick, a, pick a book, pick one of the gospels and just read a chapter. And yeah. if you do that every day, God will start changing your life and your heart. Absolutely. It's a, on one level, it's as simple as that. And maybe consider, you know, the, the, some kind of Bible study, some kind of starting a Bible study, starting small groups. Do you are you familiar with the Evangelical Catholic? And some oh of yeah, yes, yeah, so you know. Oh, yeah, I love guys. the I love the Evangelical Catholic. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's I, I keep on. I almost mentioned them like five times in our conversation. Yeah, that's you know, that's if anybody's interested in learning how to get a Bible study started or how to lead one, um, look up Evangelical Catholic, and. Um, and the, you'll, there's also something called the even the evangelical Catholic Church. That's some kind of schismatic Catholic thing that's not part of the church. So don't click that link. But this is called the evangelical Catholic, and it's um, a group that works with parishes and universities to help them start small groups. and And that's how so many people are growing in their faith. To to they're invited to a small group, a Bible study, and then they make friends in the faith and they read the Bible for the first time with other people and they just, their faith gets lit on fire really, but, and they become much closer to the Lord. So to me, that's the, the way to help the church and grow and help individual Christians grow in faith is Bible studies. Period. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll close with that. Um, you know, crack open the Bible, commit yourself to reading the Bible daily, studying the Bible daily, and maybe consider starting some uh, small groups, Bible studies, helping others to enter into the Word and growing just in, in that fraternity, in that um, community, those small groups. So thanks, for everybody, for listening. This has been the Art of Living Well podcast. Um, if you could do us a favor, uh, review the podcast. Let us know what you think. And um, please spread the word about um, hopefully this content you find enriching. And so please f share with your family and friends. Thank you and God bless you.